What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And on today's show, we also have John Kegley, one of the original members on the show, on with us today. And we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. And we've been covering the Chargers now for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. I also write for the LA Football Network as well. And this will be our fourth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Well, I just want to start the show off today by just saying thank you to you guys for, you know, blowing up our Austin Eckler show. We really appreciated all the interactions and feedback you guys gave us on yesterday's show. I mean, had a really good interview with us. I mean, it seemed like he was very comfortable on the show and we got some good answers, maybe even better than I thought. So I appreciate all the feedback on the show. I appreciate you guys, you know, checking it out and boosting it the way that you did. And I do want to make it clear that this is, will not be the end of Chargers players coming on the show. That just showed that we can do it. We're going to continue to keep trying to bring on big guests like that. But no giant guests today. I think we still have a pretty fun show planned for you guys today because we do have another prospect that the Chargers have talked with, and it is a speedster, I mean, with a capital S. I mean, maybe the fastest player in the NFL draft coming up. So we're going to talk about Anthony Schwartz in the first segment. And then the second segment, we'll be talking about Alex Smith getting released. And I think a lot of people have made the connection, you know, hey, maybe that is a great mentor for Justin Herbert because he's a guy that obviously has been in that role in the past. So in the second segment, we're going to be talking about that. And then to wrap up the show, we're going to be talking about if we're forgetting about KJ Hill and Joe Reed when we're talking about the Chargers wide receivers, obviously, The four other guys have been getting a lot more talk, mostly because of their production in 2020. And we'll also talk about if Kyle Rudolph would make sense if Hunter Henry isn't able to come back in free agency if the Chargers are trying to pick up a tight end. So let's go ahead and get into it. Justin Mello from the Draft Network comes through again with another report, this time reporting that Auburn speedster wide receiver Anthony Schwartz has met with the Chargers. And I think this is... Something that's not really breaking news by any means. I mean, when you have a quarterback with a rocket arm like Justin Herbert has, I mean, bringing in speedy guys is definitely something you're going to target. And the Chargers, to their credit, have two of those guys on the roster right now. They wanted speed at that position. Anthony Lynn last year, I think we all remember him saying that the number one thing he wanted out of the wide receiver three position was speed. And they got that with Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson. But, David, now they're looking at another prospect, a prospect that, you know, is up and down in his college career, definitely an explosive athlete. I mean, he has a bunch of track records, former track athlete for Team USA and for the Florida Gators at one point. So I think that their resume of speed is definitely there. And I think there's no surprise, even with having the guys they already have on the roster, they're at least checking off their boxes as far as looking to add more speed to the team. Yeah, we've seen what speed does around the NFL and especially in the AFC West with the Chiefs with Tyreek Hill and how dynamic he has made their offense there and how many things that he can do and what he just does, how much stress he brings to the defense. So when that's something you're always looking for. You're always looking for guys that can bring that type of speed. Now, I'm not saying that he's Tyreek Hill, so please don't misunderstand me, but this guy definitely has the same type of speed that Tyreek has. During his three years with the Tigers, he had 117 receptions, 1,433 yards, and six touchdowns. He was used mostly as like a gadget guy. You know, they put him in motion a lot. 
they would try to get him the the ball on a bubble screen. They'd try to get him in space. They would try to to get him in situations to where he could utilize that speed. And when he did, um, he was pretty physical too. I mean, he was not afraid to run through people, uh, but he could run past you. And I think sometimes that kind of got him in trouble a little bit is that he needed to use the speed a little bit more and try to be a little bit less physical. I, I know that's crazy to hear that. And I think it actually cost him some plays, but he definitely has some tools to work with and some speed that you absolutely die for. Yeah, not a great, you know, run blocking wide receiver on the outside if you're checking those boxes either. Definitely a slight guy at under 200 pounds and about six feet tall. I mean, he is a smaller guy that you would imagine would be a super fast player. And I think that when you're talking about the Chargers, obviously they tried to bring in someone like that. And Travis Benjamin at one point, very different situation. But all I mean to say is that it takes more than speed, obviously, to be a good wide receiver. And for the most part, over the last two years, I mean, in 2019, he broke his hand on the third day of training camp for them. I mean, so he definitely missed some time there, was playing with a club on his hand, which is pretty hard if you're a wide receiver. But outside of having Jared Stidham, his rookie season, or I should say his freshman season in 2018, he didn't have a lot of great quarterback play too, which I think hurts a lot. The weird thing for me as far as his stats go were the fact that he had a lot of, you know, good rushing games in in the years leading up to 2020, I mean, between 2018 and 2019, he had 38 carries for 329 yards. That's an 8.7 average. Last year, he had four carries for negative six yards. So I don't know why he was less incorporated in that part of the game, but it's definitely something that's interesting if you're not fully sure that he has all the you know skills capable of being a good NFL wide receiver. And I think you know where he goes in the draft somewhere in day three probably tells you that. This is a guy you're picking up for speed and you'll kind of work on the rest of his game. Even though I didn't hate what I saw from him, it's not like he's, you know, the most technical route runner in any of those things. But if you're looking for speed, this is from the Draft Network. Bruce Feldman made a list of college football's freaks list in 2019. And he said that Schwartz holds the 4th, 6th, 8th, 9th, and 13th times in the 100-meter time across all of American high schools in history. So, I mean, this guy has a pedigree of speed, but as I said before, John, I mean, just because you're fast doesn't make you a good wide receiver. No, it doesn't, because you still need to have the hands to catch the ball, and you need to have the IQ of running routes, and if your quarterback's running outside the pocket, when do you break off your route and try to get open and come back to him? There's a lot of other stuff that comes into this, but when you have someone this fast, you can game plan with him. You can put him in a place that works for you while you develop him as well could you he's coming out of college it's not like you have this guy who's really fast that's been in the nfl for eight years that you're like well at least sure. i get four years with him you're gonna have a whole career to develop him into what you want him to be whether you want to make him higher iq if you want to work on his hands a little bit whatever it is but based on game film i didn't see that bad of route running i saw a really good ability to read blocks he obviously has a lot of speed going deep and had no problem just running past people full speed getting off of some jams. So there's a lot of stuff that he already has as well. Why he falls really far? Probably because he didn't have a lot of 1,000-yard res- res- uh, seasons, and I think that makes him fall a little bit more. Kanad doesn't make you look like a number one receiver, and not many people are going to want to use a first-round or a second-round pick on someone who's just a third or fourth receiver in the lineup they want a starting guy they want a julio jones or someone like that so i think that's why he falls but if you're the chargers and this is a maybe fourth round or after pick i think you probably take that gamble and try to see if you have a third guy with a lot of speed on in your lineup especially if you're not going to bring back mike williams 
And you gotta yeah. hope he's got better hands than Tevin Reese. <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally different kind of athletes, but both brought in because of their athleticism and with the thought process of let's make it work. And, you know, maybe Joe Lombardi wants a guy like this in his offense. I mean, we'll see what he's going to be able to do with Joe Reed, and we're going to talk about that later in the show. But do they want to just bring in a guy who's super fast? And I, I, I agree with what you said, John. I mean, it's not like he's a terrible route runner from what I saw. It's not like he has terrible hands. But I do think one thing that was a little concerning, and I mean, they tried to get in his, the ball in his hands in so many ways. It's not like his average depth of target was 30 yards downfield, but he only had one season where he averaged over 11.8 yards per catch, and that was his freshman year. So I think that is a little concerning, too, for someone with that kind of juice to average that low of yards per catch when you're looking for somebody, you know, like a Jalen Darden or someone like that who just, you know, is averaging, you know, 18 to 22 yards per catch or something like that, like you'd expect but from a guy that has this kind of speed. I would argue, though, that 2018 was when he had Jarrett Stidman as his QB, and so after that, I, I agree with that. After that, though, like his yards probably go down because his quarterback doesn't look for him as much. If you look at a lot of his like, and, it was, two, and they were terrible too, John. They were if, awful. If you look at like, really if, you, if you look like like their 2019 stats, he's or nine stats, his highlights, I should say. A lot of it is running like a five yard out route. He's so fast. He's literally just like two steps out catching the ball seven yards, and it's like, okay, what happened to the deep threats? Where's the deep ball? Like well, a lot of those here? plays too that he was going down for a three yard gain too. I mean, let's let's be honest, you know that there's a reason why it gets that low. But yeah, I mean the quarterback play is huge. We saw that with Joe Reed too. It's just something we said like, hey, this guy did this. His quarterback play was terrible. So I mean, I definitely understand it. Yeah, but I think that's why the yards go down. But if you watch, he's still running past the defense. He's still doing all the things he's doing. But I th- would also argue that the quarterback probably doesn't look for him deep like he's supposed to, or he probably overthrew him a lot. I haven't gotten to find the full games yet. I've only seen like three of the full games. Most of it was his highlight films. But if you go watch full game, I bet you're going to see a lot of overthrows, a lot of getting sacks. He's not going to get the same amount of production as well. And a lot of shorter routes. He's not going to be going deep a lot or a lot of like the Tyreek Hill play where they send him behind the linebackers and let him catch it and run for himself. It's mostly a lot of short routes. Well, I mean, the only thing I was saying, too, is I don't even disagree with you. I'm saying, is this why these teams don't really have him as high up as, you know, a lot of these draft, you know, simulators and things like that have him going, right? I mean, he's like every team's slotted sixth round pick to add that speed to the roster. So, I mean, he's another guy where it seems like everybody kind of thinks they can get in on him late and add that speed without having to spend a high pick on him. With someone who has that kind of raw athleticism, we'll see because teams are usually willing to take a chance on a guy like that, and rightfully so. But we do have two more segments to get into. We're going to talk about if Alex Smith is the perfect backup for Justin Herbert going into the 2021 season before wrapping up the show with some voicemails. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is betonline.ag, and right now is the best time to get on it, guys, because March Madness is coming up, and that is Hands down, the funnest time of the year. I'd say March Madness and Super Bowl are probably my two favorite times to bet on sports. Just because there's so much to bet on with the Super Bowl, you get so many props and things like that. And if you like the NFL, you can still find a bunch of futures. I mean, the Chargers right now have great odds if you want to pick them to win the Super Bowl. It would definitely 
cash out for sure. There's a lot of things to bet on when March Madness is coming up, and that for me is one of the funnest times of the year. And Bet Online is the only place that has you covered and the only place that we trust. And right now, all you have to do is head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you will even get 50% welcome bonus. If you use the promo code LOCKED ON, all caps, one word, make sure you guys get some free money to gamble with with that promo code LOCKED ON at betonline.ag. All right, well, one of the things I saw when I'm scrolling and looking for things to talk about, because, you know, as you guys can imagine, and doing a daily show, that is something that we find ourselves doing often, right? What are we going to talk about tonight, especially in this time of the year when there's really not that much Chargers news coming out? Luckily, we have some prospects they're meeting with, and it gives us a chance to go watch some guys that we might not have gotten to at that point. So I really liked... So one of the things that stood out to me today was an article from boltbeat.com by Jason Reed, which was Justin Herbert's perfect backup is now available. And he was talking about Alex Smith because the reports have come out from Ian Rappaport that Alex Smith and the Washington football team are going to part ways. So now he becomes a free agent. So just as you first look at this, thinking about Alex Smith potentially coming in because, I mean, at this point, do, do any of us think that Tyrod Taylor is coming back? Probably not. No right? chance. Yeah, yeah, not with, a, as Pat McAfee said, a, a golf tee sticking out of his lung. But I think that we've had our back and forth about whether the charge should bring in a veteran backup. And I think at this point in his career, it could potentially be something that Alex Smith would consider doing. Do you think he would make a good backup for, for Justin Herbert? Absolutely. I think that's a good call. I think he would probably be a little bit cheaper, too, than Tyrod Taylor just because if he's coming off of that injury. It hasn't played a lot since, so I think you probably get a cheaper price tag than a Tyrod Taylor. So... You would be saving money in the process. He's had way more success in the NFL than Tyrod has, so he's got a lot to offer to Justin Herbert for sure. He also knows a little bit about Andy Reid, so when it comes to film study, he's probably going to be able to give you a little bit of what Andy Reid's thinking on some things. Is, is he different than Patrick Mahomes? Sure, but I'm sure the game planning and the mindset is still there. So there's, there's a lot of things you can do with Alex Smith, and if, he goes, if Justin Herbert for some reason does go down, Alex Smith has already come back from – a lot of adversity. I mean, the injury is probably the biggest thing you can come back from, one that almost yeah. took your life, almost lost your leg, all the surgeries that he's had, and yet he came back and didn't have that that bad of games for the for Washington. So I feel like this would be a great pickup for the Chargers, whether or not they actually decide to go for it. It's another story because who knows who they might have in mind because you know how Staley is. He wants someone that he has connections with and – there's probably way more backup QBs that he has connections with that he'd rather sign. Yeah, like Blake Bortles from last year. But that, um, I, I agree. Good example. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully the the connection and relationship part of it doesn't go that far. I mean, you definitely want you know to bring in someone that you think is going to help Justin Herbert and give you a chance to win games, right? I mean, that's what you want out of a backup is a guy that can come in steer the ship in the right direction. And even though he finished with six touchdowns and eight interceptions last year, and he had a great defense in Washington, I mean, he went five and one. I mean, I think that kind of shows you in itself that, you know, wins are not a quarterback stat, but he went in there and he didn't lose them games, which I think if you're a backup quarterback, that's okay. At this point, do we know if Alex Smith is okay with being a backup quarterback? I don't know if he's going to have any choice, but I do think that it's not out of the question that he could potentially cost less than $5 million. I mean, I don't think that's crazy. Andy Dalton signed a contract for $3 million. Jameis Winston's was even less. Cam Newton's was even less. And, I mean, those guys, 
at least knew there was a chance they were going to start at some point, right? So I do think that they could get him for semi-cheap. I think he'd be one of the more expensive backups because, I mean, even look at last year. I mean, Case Keenum was had $5.5 million as the backup for the Browns. Then you have other guys, Marcus Mariota, $7.5 million, obviously a younger guy. And Alex Smith himself made $16 million last season. So it is... A wonder to me what the price tag is going to be on him. I think if you can get him cheap, I think that you absolutely have to think about bringing him in, David. And as this article points out, you've seen him be a mentor to young quarterbacks. And we'll just throw out Dwayne Haskins, right? We'll just pretend Dwayne Haskins never happened. We'll talk about the other more successful guys. I mean, he mentored Colin Kaepernick before he ended up taking over and taking the 49ers to a Super Bowl. And obviously, he's a great teammate in that way because he never made a fuss about it. And then he lost his job to Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs traded him after a 12-4 and season and you know brought in second-year quarterback Patrick Mahomes, and the rest is history. But we've seen young quarterbacks under him go on to have success. Well, and Alex Smith has had success in this league not too long ago either. In 2017, he threw for over 4,000 yards, had 26 touchdowns and only four interceptions, and that wasn't that long ago. Obviously, a lot has happened since that uh, has occurred with the the crazy leg injury where he had a spiral and compound fracture in his tibia and his fibula. Unfortunately, he has Kareem Jackson and J.J. Watt to thank for that, but he had 17 surgeries some skin grafts from his left quad that eventually actually uh, healed his leg. He won comeback player of the year. He's a veteran presence. And honestly, I think there's some part of him that might want to actually wear lightning bolts because you got to remember, everybody, Alex Smith is from San Diego. He played football, his high school football at Helix High School. He's not from Los Angeles. (laughs) No, he's not from Los Angeles, which, like I said, I don't know how he feels about it. But, I mean, he grew up in San Diego. He played at Helix High School with Reggie Bush. I know this because my brother was playing at Grossmont High School, and they played against them. And Reggie Bush was ridiculous. Uh, Yes, I mean, that was not fair at all. You had two future NFL players on the same high school team, and they just absolutely wrecked everybody. But I agree. I think having a veteran presence, a guy who knows true adversity, and a guy who has mentored and shown that he can get some good results out of some young quarterbacks would be a great pick to be the backup quarterback behind Justin Herbert. And I will say that as far as that connection goes, I know he was publicly critical of the Chargers moving to Los Angeles. That was a few years ago. Maybe things have thawed out a little bit since then. I mean, you'd have to wonder. But either way, I think the one thing we're talking about is, you know, the leadership and all those things. And David, as you brought up, you have to still be able to go out there and play too, which he's done recently at a high level. And I think, John, what you're looking for in a backup quarterback for the Chargers specifically is, yes, you want a good mentor for Justin Herbert, but with some of the big hits we saw Justin Herbert take last year, you also want someone who can come in and win you games and not lose you games, you know, go 500 over a four or five game stretch. And I definitely think in that aspect, he definitely brings that element. He definitely does. I mean, while playing with Washington, he still put up a, some decent performances. Were they great? With no, almost I mean, no help yeah. at the receiving core outside yeah. of Terry McLaurin. Yeah, like were they great? No, but at the same time, there was first games back. Doesn't have a lot of talent around him, and the team just struggled all year. I mean, you could have put anybody on that team, and they probably still would be the same. It wasn't the greatest built team. It was really just we're going to throw something out there and just get through the year, and hopefully. And they were in the worst division in football too. Oh God, (laughs) let's not forget that too. You couldn't even go to the playoffs with if it wasn't for that. You're in the playoffs because you played in a crappy division. But I will say they showed off pretty well against Tom Brady. 
I'll give them that. Even though it wasn't Alex Smith, they did show off well. But the rest of the year, they were a no-show. But Alex Smith still showed he got he could still play. He still could play at a high level. And I think if you actually give him a training camp to actually like develop with some of the guys, I think he shows a lot better improvement the next year. Well, and he, would, he handled it good when he got replaced by guys who were playing better than him, right? So I think going into a situation where you know – that you're going to be the backup, I think that gives a certain level of ease knowing, hey, you know, I'm here to be a backup, but also to help this young guy. We're not, you know, going into a training camp battle to start the season. And you brought up a great point about the Tampa Bay Bucks in the playoffs, John, because we talked about all the guys he's mentored turning into great quarterbacks, and we didn't even talk about Taylor Heineke. I mean, that's a, a definite miss on our part. I mean, he, you know, mentored one of the greater playoff performances we saw from a quarterback in 2020 so definitely has to get some credit there as well but we do have one more segment to get into because we do have a couple of voicemails talking about if we are forgetting about kj hill and joe reed as well as if kyle rudolph makes some sense for the Chargers to target in free agency and we're going to get into that coming up right after this but first i need to tell you guys that the best protein bar on the planet is doing something pretty cool for march madness they're going to have a giant bracket of 24 bars that are going to be going up against each other to determine the ultimate champion built bar i know for me if i'm picking my number one seed i mean i have to go with peanut butter just because i love peanut butter david if you're trying to pick your number one seeds for the built bar bracket which flavors are you going with I mean, that's a tough question, but I, I think coconut brownie chunk is definitely a really yeah. high up on my list. I mean, I am not a coconut fan, and I had that one, and I fell in love. I thought it was incredible, but I also have to go with cookies and cream, too. I think that's another option you really have to, to watch out for because it's a great classic flavor. Yeah, cookies and cream. I mean, I think they'd probably be my other number one seed, too. The peanut butter crisp is up there, but I can't wait to see how these all, you know, shake out. So I'm excited for the Built Bar tournament. You can find all of the results on Twitter to see which Built Bar flavor is the best one. So when you go and buy your first Built Bars, you know which flavor is the best. And of course, since you listen to the show, you guys can save some money on it because if you go to BuiltBar.com and you use the promo code LOCKEDON20, you can get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON20, all caps, one word for 20% off the best protein bar on the planet at BuiltBar.com. Alright guys, well it's been a little while since we did a voicemail so show, so on today's show we wanted to get into some, and we only had a couple to pick from, one of them's a little bit older, but I think they're both still very relevant, and I think they bring up two good talking points for this show, but hey guys, if you want to get your voice on the, the same show that Austin Eckler was on, if you want your voice and Austin Eckler's voice to be on the same show, call into the voicemail line, the number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show, but Let's start with Old Faithful. Let's start with Old Reliable. We have super fan Zach here to kick off the voicemail segment today. Let's see what he asked for us this week. Hey, guys. Zach from Florida here. So I have a question about two of our wide receivers. So we drafted Joe Reed and K.J. Hill in the draft last year. They aren't really getting much talked about so far, and they didn't really have productive seasons this past season. But I just want to know, how do you think they're going to do this upcoming season? All these discussions about wide receivers, and those two names are not brought up. But I think with those two, and you still have Jalen Guyton and Tylen Johnson and Keenan Allen, I don't know if you really need another wide receiver, even if Mike Williams 
is not on the team. So just want to get your thoughts and bolt up. So I think this is a fair question because when we're talking about the Chargers wide receivers, I mean, obviously we're not going to talk about six guys, right? And I think that's the interesting thing about the Chargers wide receiving core in general this year, just because if you're talking about bringing in a wide receiver in the draft or even free agency, even though we're against that, somebody's got to go, right? I mean, you could keep six wide receivers, but you're probably not going to keep seven. So by, you know, simple arithmetic, we know that somebody would have to be out. I guess at this point, it would probably be Joe Reed who... We obviously thought it was going to be the big-time utility player, and we also saw from the Chargers' offense that they did not know how to utilize him. When he got the ball, he seemed to make plays, and then at some point he was just a healthy scratch. So it's obvious that he wasn't in the good graces of the past former coaching staff as far as being an impact player on game day. And K.J. Hill, in limited time, he played in 15 games. He didn't run a ton of routes, but he only had seven receptions, David. So I think... Yes, we're not thinking about those guys as much right now, but I would also say that if there was any two guys that should feel probably the least secure in their spots, it's probably those guys because not only are they late-round picks, but they're late-round picks by a different coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. They don't have any relationship, and that's something we talk about a lot with this current coaching staff. Obviously, no, but none of these players do really, but... Yeah, I mean, they didn't per- perform particularly well last year, like Zach said in the voicemail. But I also don't think, and I've said this many times, that they did not put Joe Reed in the right positions to go out there and succeed. I mean, we saw, like you said, a handful of plays where you get him out in space and you let him work, and it, it worked. I mean, that's what he does. It, it got production, but they just didn't do it enough. And I think that's a huge indictment on the on the previous coaching staff is that they didn't give him more opportunities to go out there and continue those explosive plays because there's more in there. There's more in there. And as far as KJ Hill is concerned, you love the technician that he is and the hands and, and you know, the catching ability. He never been a blazing speedster so he might be at risk too just because they already have guys that have similar makeups to KJ Hill on the roster so yeah I mean two guys we don't talk about a lot but I think the coaching staff uh, definitely didn't help them out at all they did not put them in positions to succeed and hopefully Brandon Staley is going to look at what they do and put them in positions to go out there and use that skill set that they have and get success. I mean, it seems like you're probably more confident in their abilities than I am. I mean, I do think the fact that Joe Reed did not have a reception at least tells you what they thought of him as a wide receiver and his readiness to be able to play for that team. I mean, obviously, they had other guys that they had to have active as well, and other guys had to run routes, but they definitely felt better about KJ Hill running routes. And he was a better route runner in college and, you know, in the pros up until this point. But I do have to wonder if, you know, one of those guys ends up getting chopped if they do bring in a new wide receiver just because of the fact that they are not high pedigree guys. But you'd have to think that Brandon Staley is at least going to give these guys a chance to make an impression and at least you know give Joe Lombardi a chance to see if they can, he can find a way to use these guys. But we do have one more voicemail to get into. This one's going to be from Curtis Loki, and he has a free agency question for us. Let's see what he has for us. Hey guys, Curtis Loki. It's been a while since I called in. Uh, not to sound like some of these Facebook fans, but, uh, you know, I couldn't help but notice uh, Kyle Rudolph just got released. Now, hear me out. I understand that we all want a Hunter Henry back, but in the event, you know, that he doesn't come out, they say where there's smoke, there's fire, and in the event he doesn't come back, I would say that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Kyle, Kyle Rudolph may be a better fit for us than someone like Zach Ertz. I could be wrong. Uh, just want to know what you guys think about that. I believe he's a pretty outstanding uh, run blocker. Uh, he's a decent pass catcher, but I, I feel as if we can get similar production 
uh, from him as, as we got from Hunter Henry. Again, in a perfect world, I'd love to bring Hunter Henry back, but in the event that the two sides can't come to an agreement, hopefully because we're looking to spend more money in free agency on the offensive line and or bringing in some former Rams defensive players, uh, for me, that would be the safety over uh, uh, that outside linebacker Floyd. But, yeah, just want to get your guys' thoughts on it. I'm sure you, you got the update as well. So look forward to the next show. I haven't heard the Austin Eckler show. I'm getting ready to tune in right now. Thanks for all you guys do. Go Bulls. All right, so I do think this is a very valid question with free agency coming up soon. I mean, it starts March 17th, so we don't have much time left. And I think this is obviously a backup plan as you're putting it. If the Chargers do not bring back Hunter Henry, I don't know if you're going to get the same production out of Kyle Rudolph at this point. I almost think that he's probably best at this point in his career being a secondary tight end, right? Being your backup tight end. I think he'd be a very, very good backup tight end. A guy you could have on the field in two tight end sets. But it's also hard to tell, John, because they were such a run-heavy offense, running the offense through Dalvin Cook, that we didn't really get to see probably the whole picture of what Kyle Rudolph is at this point in his career, especially as they groomed his you know, successor in Irv Smith Jr. I feel like with Kyle Rudolph, it's a thing of the offense is not really ran. As you said, it's really just running the ball. It's not ran through the receivers. The receivers are to keep the offense balanced. If you were to actually give Kyle Which is Rudolph, crazy when you have those receivers and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Sorry. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I feel like if you were to actually give this offense a chance with all the receivers, you would have seen a lot more production out of Kyle Rudolph. He's also been a decent touchdown target. I mean, he's had a couple of years where he's had seven, eight, nine touchdowns. And if you were to actually use him in the red zone, could it be a better target for you? If you don't get Hunter Henry, I feel like... With Zach Hurts, you're just getting a guy that can move you down the field. But when it comes to the red zone, I think Kyle Rudolph helps you more. So it really just goes, which one do you struggle at more? Do you struggle at getting the ball down the field, or do you struggle at scoring in the red zone? Which one were the Chargers worst at last year? It was scoring in the red zone. You got a lot of field goals. So I feel like Rudolph would probably be a better option for you in that situation. I think you have to temper your expectations, though, because, I mean, he has seven seasons of under 500 yards receiving. And, yeah, I understand that he's mostly in a rushing offense, but Dalvin Cook wasn't there the entire time. So, I mean, he just doesn't have that crazy amount of production. And over the age of 30, he's definitely not a a a tight end one. He's, I'd say, a pretty solid backup. And if he comes in to be a backup and not to replace Hunter Henry, then I'd be okay with it. Yeah, and he also brought up his run blocking ability, something, you know, he's gotten a lot better at as they've, you know, gone to a, such a heavy rushing offense. And when you have Dalvin Cook, I mean, obviously he's a great running back and you're going to run the football a lot, especially, you know, with that specific head coach and his, you know, smash mouth, you know, hard nose type of football that he likes to play. But for me, it's just, it's hard to get excited about it. I think if you wanted him as a Band-Aid, if he was going to be, you know, your Jason Witten for a year, I think I could get behind it. I do think he could help in the red zone still for sure. But he has never been, you know, a ton of yards, a ton of receptions. But he has had a few seasons in which he has broken out. But the last few years, I mean, it's been since 2018, since he went over 367 yards. The last two years, 367 and 334. But last year, he did average a career high with 11.9 yards per reception obviously a heavy play action dose when he was getting those targets but obviously those targets weren't coming enough which led to his release from the Vikings so I don't think it's a signing that gets you super excited but I do think as far as a veteran replacement goes as far as a veteran band-aid goes if you get to you know 
into free agency and you're like, oh crap, we don't have a starting tight end currently on the roster because it's hard to say Steven Anderson or Donald Parham are from what we've seen from them. I, I don't hate it, but I don't know if you would necessarily be a better fit than a fully healthy Zach Ertz. I mean, it's, it's, it's so hard to say because New Orleans is so up and down with their tight end usage. We've seen them use tight ends super successfully, but the offense has changed a little bit with Drew Brees aging. I think, you know, either one of those guys would be good for the short term. I wouldn't be interested in really either one of them for the long term. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. We appreciate you guys checking it out, and we really appreciate all the support with the Austin Eckler interview this week and from everything else. But And also, that would not have been possible, the Austin Eckler interview, without the help from our friends over at the One Star Recruits podcast. You can find them on Twitter, at One Star Recruits. They're the ones that put us in touch with Austin Eckler's people. They also did an interview with him. They also did an interview with Montel Jordan. So, I mean, they've definitely had some really big guests over there. And what they they like to talk about is, you know, guys that kind of came from nothing into becoming, you know, very successful. Obviously, something that Austin Eckler was able to do very well coming from such a small college to getting paid, you know, $25 million at the NFL level. So definitely appreciate those guys. I appreciate you guys win. Check them out to support people who supported us and got him on the show. So thank you guys again for hooking us up with Austin Eckler. We really appreciated it. But that is going to do it for today's show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there, and it's the fastest and easiest way to always get the show, and you won't miss out on interviews like Austin Eckler. But you can also check us out and give us a follow on our new Instagram page, at LockedOnChargers as well. And if you guys want to get on the next voicemail show, the number is 323-524-7924. So tomorrow we're going to be getting into Daniel Popper's 10 things to fix the Chargers, basically. So there's a lot of good notes and stuff that we're going to go over there. And then on Friday, we'll get into our free agent Friday again. But that does it for us today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.